Amen. Well, they, as you can see from the way I'm dressed, they do enjoy color down there. And some of the, the outfits, this would be a, a common uh, formal wear that you, the whole family would come together, uh, get something made, and uh, it, it's very colorful and they enjoy that sort of thing. This morning, as I give you a, a little introduction of myself, I'm a third-generation missionary, and I've had the privilege of having a wonderful example of my grandparents and my dad, who has been ones who have helped guide and direct me. Tell you what, if it wasn't for their example that they lived before me, I would not be where I am today. And I encourage both young and old uh, parents, grandparents here this morning, you never know the example. You never know what your kids, your grandkids are watching be an example to them. If you have them that are not saved, pray for them. Don't stop praying for them. You keep saying, you know, keep inviting them to the church. Keep saying, hey, you need the Lord. You need these things. Don't quit. They're going to get tired of it. They're going to say, oh, why do you always, hey, let that be your testimony that you keep inviting them to church. Let that be your testimony that they, when they have a hard time, they can come to you in prayer. Keep being that example that they need. This, as a, a little introduction for my, my, of myself, uh, I grew up in Jamaica for about 11 years uh, as my parents were, were there for a while. In 2001, we ended up moving to the islands of Palau. Now, Micronesia is a region out there past Hawaii before you reach Guam, uh, before you reach uh, Japan and the Philippines. But if you know where Guam is, Guam is about right there in the middle of Micronesia. And I am specifically working on two island groups, the islands of Palau and the islands of Saipan. And tonight you'll be able to hear a little bit more about Saipan as I'll be able to share with you my video presentation. But uh, specifically, we're going back to the islands of Palau. And if you know where Palau is, uh, if you know where Guam is, Palau is about 1,000 miles south of Guam and about 500 miles east of the Philippines. It's a tiny island group out there. Uh, it's about 300-plus islands. Uh, eight of them are, have people on them, and I'm currently working on four of those islands that are, uh, that are connected by roads, causeways, and bridges. And I have had the privilege of working with my dad and helping him start the first and only Baptist church in the entire country. And of course, if you know, you look around here, how many Baptist churches are there in the next you know, 15, 20 miles? Probably a couple. But down there, we're the only one. And if you know the importance of that is the importance that we preach that salvation is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen. It's through his death, burial, and resurrection to which we can have <clears throat> excuse me, hope of eternal life. So uh, we do have Catholics down there, Seventh-day Adventists. There are uh, some, some other non-denominational, some other uh, evangelical groups down there. But sadly, most, if they do teach about Jesus Christ, they teach some sort of works-based salvation. So the importance of, uh, of us being down there, making sure that we're preaching God's word. Now, after going down to Palau in 2001, I finished high school down there and ended up uh, graduate. after finishing high school, I attended the Bible Institute my dad started down there and graduated from that, took over the church for about two years when my dad came back to the States on a furlough. And then in 2012, I came back to the States and raised my own support uh, to be able to continue working out there, went back to the islands after raising my support and 
2014, married the love of my life in 2015, and, uh, and then I ended up uh, in 2017, moved to the neighboring island to help out my grandfather and took over that work after he passed away for about six years. Well, since then, we have now, I've now turned that work over to my brother Joshua. We've come back to the States uh, to report back to churches and to raise a little bit more support. Uh, this is our first time back to the States in eight years. And just this past Christmas was my family's first time ever to see snow. <laughs> so uh, my, my oldest uh, was praying for weeks, please let there be snow. And my, my aunt came up and said, make sure you pray that there's a blizzard in December. So, so that way it, it melts, it's okay, and then as you get back on the road, it'll be okay again. Well, we did. We had a, we had a small blizzard, had a couple inches of snow on the ground, and... And nonetheless, it's been, a, it's been really a lot of fun being able to spend time with my family here. So uh, we have plans, Lord willing, by the end of this year to be able to go back to Palau and continue working there. Our goal is to continue teaching and preaching, uh, continue teaching in the Bible Institute, because our goal is to the, uh, the church to become self-sufficient, to become its own independent work, uh, to preach the te- uh, to uh, teach the preachers and the teachers so that way they can uh, take care of themselves. We've also had an invitation to go to the northern tip of the main island that we're working on to potentially start another work there. And we're looking to start with small Bible studies, get into homes, and from there potentially start another church. Also, the third area that I'm looking forward to getting involved into is also a radio ministry. Back in 2015, when I was down there, we had an invitation uh, as some radio station came and said, hey, do you have anything that we could potentially put on the radio? And we said, okay, well, let's make up something. And it came to the point where we had an invitation from two radio stations, and they said, if you will produce material, we will broadcast it on the radio for free. So it's like, oh, thank you, Lord. And so I developed about two years' worth of material, and it was through that we passed out Bibles, passed out tracts, tried to set up Bible studies to sit down with people. And uh, sadly, after I left, it, it didn't continue. So that's an area to which I'm looking to continue working in. So uh, I covet your prayers in those areas. So that's a little bit about myself. Now, to share a little bit of God's word this morning, please open up your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter number 37. Psalms chapter 37. And as you turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 37, some have asked, what is that weapon you have up there? (coughs) It's not a weapon. This is the island version of a fishing pole. They do a lot of spearfishing down there, and it's, it is a lot of fun. I've had the privilege of learning how to spearfish from some of the best spearfishermen down there. And I tell you what, they usually get a mask, a snorkel, and fins. They'll swim on top of the water, and they'll dive down 30, sometimes 50 feet, uh, swim along the ocean floor, uh, sneak up on a fish, shoot it, bring it back to the top, uh, bring it back up to the surface. And boy, they can hold their breath sometimes four to five minutes. I'm, I'm nowhere near that close. I'm max, I'm like two minutes. But nonetheless, it is amazing to be able to do that. And, and the, culturally speaking, the men do this fishing, and the women do the farming. Sounds good, men, right? Amen? Yes. <laughs> but the women will work on bringing in the starch, and the men will work on bringing in the protein. And they do a lot of stuff on the reef and dealing with the ocean and stuff like this. It's a lot of fun. And they'll, uh, some of the best times to go out spearfishing is at night. Because, uh, especially during the new moon when it's pitch black, you can't see anything, because uh, you usually have a waterproof flashlight, you shine the light in the fish's eyes, and they freeze. 
So you can get up really close. You go down and look underneath the corals, uh, getting some big fish. I've had some pretty big surprises where I'm, I'm diving down like 15, 20 feet, and I look under a coral, and there's a fish this big looking back at you. It's like, whoa, uh, within a couple inches, you're like, okay, back up. Well, <laughs> I remember one evening, this goes, uh, I shared this with the, the young people this morning, and it goes along with my sermon. I remember one evening when I was out spearfishing, uh, didn't catch much. It was pitch black out there. Um, I'm swimming. I'm looking for, we're looking for some fish. Already starting to head back to shore. I turn around and look, and there is a four to five foot reef shark following me. About 15, 20 foot behind me. Boy, I tell you what, nothing to make your heart beat faster than to look behind you in the dark, and you see a shark following you. <laughs> well, I begin to swim a little bit faster, trying to get closer in, uh, get into shore, and for about 15 minutes, I'm starting to panic. Keep, every time I look back, there's this shark still following me. Then it dawned on me, what am I doing? I've got a spear gun. I'm going to go back. I can make this the biggest fish of the night. I turn around to go shoot that shark. The shark notices what I'm doing, and it takes off. Don't see the fish again. How many times are we like that as Christians? That we don't realize that we have the tools that we need. We don't realize that we have the defense that we need against the cares of this world already in our hands. Amen? Open up your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter 37. Psalms 37 and verse 1. It says, Fret not thyself in any wise. Uh, for, uh, fret not thyself because of evil doers. You know what the modern day word for fret is? Worry. Worry. Here it says, fret not. If we find ourselves at a point where we're worrying about something, and the Bible says, don't worry, what are we doing? Sinning. Amen? The Bible says it's a sin. Don't, don't do it. Don't fret. And yet here it says, fret not. It says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Why? Why? Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Evil people are going to do evil things. Amen? Amen? Yep. Did God know about it? Sure. So why are we worrying about it? <laughs> oh no, what's going to happen? Who's going to get voted? Oh, what if somebody does this? Or what if a person breaks into my house? Or, or what if I... Stop worrying about it. Amen? But how many times do we find ourselves worrying about that very same thing? Here it says, fret not thyself. Not only does it say, don't worry about it, but it says also in the next part, it says, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. And I tell you what, young people here this evening, oh, this, this morning, don't envy, don't desire to be like them. Don't, well, you know, I wish I had that, or, you know, I wish I could lie and get away with it, or I wish I, wish I could do this or that. Or, you know, if I had their money, I would treat it better. Or if I had their position, I would, I would do so much better with it. Really? God has put you in there where you are. Are you trusting him? We're not to, not only are we not to worry about the, the evil, it says don't envy. Why the consequences? For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Instead, what are we to do? Verse 3, trust in the Lord. You know, nothing happened that God didn't know about it. Amen? God knew about it. God knew what was going to happen. Trust in the Lord and do good. Don't worry. Don't envy to be like the evil. Instead, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. 
I tell you what, whenever I bring across a verse like this that says, trust in the Lord, it reminds me of one of my favorite, passage, favorite verses, which is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, which says, trust in the Lord with part of your heart. Amen? Is that what it says? No, it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. We each have an experience. We each have an education. But when it comes to trusting in the Lord and the things that he does, don't rely on those things. Because God does things that sometimes beyond our understanding. Amen? Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not in thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Do you realize that God is still in charge? Amen. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge the fact that he is in charge. Then it says, and he shall direct thy paths. I love the fact when I stop relying on what I understand and I fully trust in the Lord, he not only does he knows what's best, he knows the right direction. Sure. And I need to just trust that he will guide and direct me. And I always like to add verse number seven, which says, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Sometimes we come to the point where we begin to trust in the Lord and we go, well, I, know, I got it from here. God, I got it. Wait, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. There's a lot of evil in this world around us, Christians. When it comes to a point when you come to church and you hear pastor preaching about some evil and you realize, ooh, I need to get that fixed. Quickly get your life right. Quickly get those things away from it so that way it doesn't continue to rot in your Christian life. Amen? So, First, don't fret. Second, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. How many of you have desires this morning? We have desires in our hearts. Just we go look around the room. Everybody has a desire. Do you realize, as we see from this word, God wants to give us the desires of our heart? Now, I'm not talking about some name it, claim it, you know, just, just this, this a lot of garbage that you see on TV. No, I'm talking about here. God says, I want to give thee the desires of thine heart. But first, it says to delight in the Lord. First, we must delight in the Lord. When you think of the word delight, what does that mean? To enjoy, to find pleasure in, right? Here it says, delight thyself also in the Lord. Do you find yourself enjoying things that God enjoys? I hope so. Because too many times we find ourselves enjoying the wrong. Our natural self, our natural man, once is hungry for the cares of this world. But here it says, God says he wants to give us the desires of our heart. We must first delight in the Lord. Delight in the things that he delights. Delight in being in church. Delight in reading our Bible. Delight in telling others about Jesus Christ. When we find ourselves going, oh, I have to go to church again. Mom, Dad, don't make me. Oh. Hey, you're not delighting in the Lord. We have to make sure that we enjoy the same things that God enjoys. And this also reminds me of Acts and the early apostles when they brought across. Do you remember uh, as they were preaching in the synagogue and the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those, those were there. They came and took them and says, stop preaching in this name. And they beat them and put them in jail. And then they later came and brought them out. And they're like, well, stop preaching in this name. They said, well, we ought to serve God rather than man. We don't want to go against the leaders. We don't want to go against what's wrong. But we serve the Lord. And we have to make our God happy. 
And you know what's amazing? They ended up leaving, letting them go. They ended up going back to the other Christians in the area. And, and one thing that really touches my heart is in that point it says, they counted themselves worthy to suffer for Christ. They said, God, thank you that I was able to be beaten for you. Thank you that I suffered persecution for you. Thank you for these stripes on my back because of you. Christians, we have to be careful. We don't feel persecuted by what pe- what's going on around us. Instead, we need to make sure we're delighting in the Lord. Amen? I tell you what, one of the things that happened just after COVID in, in our church, uh, I'll talk to you a little bit more about it tonight, but uh, COVID hit well, through the direction of the Lord. We ended up uh, moving to online Bible studies for about four weeks through the prayer of the Lord, and we ended up opening back up again and having in-person meetings about four weeks later. And uh, we had some special visitors that first Sunday we came back. We had the uh, COVID task force and the police show up at our door telling us, you can't be having services. And I tell you what, that was a big shock for me. I was like, we have freedom of religion in this country. We, have the, we, we are allowed to do this thing. And uh, the President Trump at the time had said, you know, churches are an essential service. But the governor where we were said, no, nope, we don't recognize it yet. And <coughs> we, we told him that President Trump had, you know, told us that it's an essential service. And like, well, you, you can't do it just yet until the governor says. He says, well, we ought to serve God rather than man. We don't want to go against the police. We don't want, we know that you're, you're, what you're doing is important and we pray for you. But also our God is important. And thank the Lord that the situation didn't get bad. It de-escalated. And I said, well, we're we're going to continue having services. They said, well, we'll be back. I said, well, we're planning to have church services on Wednesday night. 7 o'clock, you're welcome to come back. (laughs) Well, thankfully, between Sunday and Wednesday, the governor also declared that churches were an essential service. And they, they didn't come back. But the point I bring across is, is delighting in the Lord. If it gets difficult to serve the Lord, if it, if it becomes against the law, if it becomes you could go to jail for showing up to church, are you going to continue to delight in the Lord? Are you going to say, as it says in verse 5, commit thy way into the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Are you going to stay committed to the Lord? Because it's so easy for us to, oh, I'm tired, or, uh, you know, I'm busy, or I'm not feeling well, or, you know, I've got a visitor coming. It's so easy for us to give in to the lust of our flesh and say, I don't need church, or I don't need to read my Bible, or, or I don't need to pray, or I don't need all these little things. Christians, we have to stay committed to keep going no matter what. And I tell you what, when that happened in our, our church down there, it was something that shook the backbone and says, hey, are you going to keep going to church? Hey, police literally showed up at our front door. What if they come back? Are you going to still be here? And it was like, it, it, brought a, it made it real. And I tell you what, Christians, we hear, you hear about stuff going on in China. You hear about stuff happening in other countries. I tell you what, it's coming soon here to where it's going to be against the law to say that homosexuality is a sin. It's going to be against the law to stand up and say, hey, I, 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 I read God's word and it is my guide. It's, it's become a hate speech already as we see, look around. We have to stay committed to say, hey, I'm going to serve my God. Amen? Amen. Right. One other thing that we each must stay committed to, sharing the gospel. 
You stay committed to uh, caring. You stay committed to make sure you're, you're faithful, to, to make sure you're continuing to grow. But one thing we each must stay faithful to is carrying the gospel to this lost and dying world Amen. around us. Because I tell you what, if we don't stay committed to that, who is? Who's going to do it? Oh, I know. Our government's going to make sure the gospel keeps getting out, right? Oh, our public schools, right? No. Before Jesus Christ left, he left his church with one commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I am, continuing, I am carrying the gospel to far off distant countries. But you know it's some place that I can't witness to? Your neighbors. Amen. Amen. Your coworkers. Right. Your classmates. Your nieces, nephews, children, grandchildren. I can't talk to them. But you know who can? You can. We have to stay committed to that. Pastor brought across the, just this morning, looking to reach someone for Christ this year, this new year. Uh, pray and ask God, God, help lead, help give me an opportunity to read, reach one person for Christ. Be in prayer for that and be ready. If you're not sure what to say or what to do, hey, there's a lot of people around here that would love to sit down with you and help you mark your Bible so you have the words to say, so you can know what to say. I was talking with a man just this morning. He was being a witness to a Muslim in the community. Hey, there are so many things that people are smart about. But when it comes to the basics of Jesus Christ, a lot of them don't have anything to argue about it. One of the things that we use down in the islands is the Ten Commandments. Bring it back because it's through the knowledge of sin. It's through the commandments that we have the knowledge of sin. And through the knowledge of sin, we know we need a Savior. And so it's that bringing that across as, have you ever lied? That means you're a liar. Have you ever taken something that belonged to someone else? You're a thief. Have you ever hated somebody for what they did to you? The Bible says you're a murderer. What kind of good person is that? You lying, thieving murderer? It's not a good person. So many times we think, well, you need Jesus Christ. You need his love. You need to believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. Yes, those things are good. But why do they need that? We have to bring them to the point that they realize that they are a sinner. And unless they get that forgiveness of, that Jesus Christ offers, they can't have hope of Amen. eternal life. Amen. Amen? One of the things that I love to use my uh, spear gun for as an example, uh, I'm, one day when I was out spear fishing, I saw a school of fish. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be neat if I could shoot two or three fish at one time? I saw they were all bundled together. They're getting close. So I loaded up the spear gun, dove down, shot into the school of fish. You know how many fish I got? None. <laughs> you know why I didn't get any? I wasn't aiming at any. I was just shooting into the school of fish, hoping I'd get something. Christians, who are you aiming for? Amen. Who are you aiming for? If you just, well, I'm passing out tracks, great. I'm inviting people to church, great. But who are you aiming for to bring to Christ? I, uh, I recently learned uh, uh, about two months ago, a cousin of mine, he was going out deer hunting. I'm like, that's pretty neat. I, I got spear fishing. I can't catch a bunch of fish. And he was telling me about deer hunting and how uh, he, he, him and his son, they've prepared. They got all their equipment together. They got their guns cleaned. And they, they got their deer stand. And they're going to go spend a week deer hunting. I'm like, wow, that's, that's really cool. And I'm like, well, well how many deer are you going to get? He said, one. I was like, an entire week to get 
one deer? Wow. Every time I go out spearfishing, I'm trying to get as many as I can. <laughs> but they brought across, it, it made me realize this. They, 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 they spend all that time preparing, making sure they're ready to, get, to go out deer hunting, to, to spend the time, to set up the deer stand, to find where the deer are walking, to sometimes set up bait to get one deer. Christians, do we spend that same amount of time to try and reach one for Christ? Do we spend that same amount of time to, what am I going to say to this person? Well, do I have my Bible ready prepared? Am I praying ahead of time? Have I prepared everything that I need so I can be a witness to this one person? Tell you what, each one of us needs to focus on reaching one for Christ. Because I tell you what, if, if we don't keep reaching one for Christ, you know what's going to happen to this church? It's going to die. But if we keep bringing people to Christ, and they won't. Amen. Amen. Amen? And it's every single one of us personal responsibility to say, hey, who am I reaching for Christ? Well, pastor's going to, the church staff is going to, other people, hey, we're a body. Each body part does different things. But you realize Jesus Christ, before he left, he told his disciples, go ye. And I take courage you each. Grab a track. Read over that track. Be ready to say, hey, friend, you want to talk to him about the, the weather? Hey, great. You want to talk about the game that just happened? Okay. But take him in and ask him, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him? What are you going to say? What are they going to respond? Sit down and take a moment and, and, and work out that conversation in your head. How can I tell somebody about Jesus Christ? Because I tell you what, right now, like I use that illustration, if you don't aim for any, guess what you're going to get? Nothing. I remember as a young man, I, I took the time and just, just wrote it out longhand, how to tell somebody how to get, go to heaven. So that way I would have within my own mind, hey, how can I tell this person? How can I witness to this, te- this friend of mine, this teenager, this, this person I'm coming across? It's so vitally important that each of us personally knows how to do that. Because if we don't, We're not doing our part. Amen? Amen. Last couple of verses here. Verse 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Verse 7, Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Don't fret. Sometimes we can fret about what we're going to say or what's going to happen. Hey, trust in the Lord. Amen? Don't worry. Trust in the Lord. Secondly, delight. Are you delighting in the Lord and the things that he has said to delight? Because I tell you what, the things that we see on TV, the things we see on social media, the things that are on these these media platforms, there's a lot of garbage on there that does not delight the Lord. Christians, we have to be quick to turn it off. Because we find ourselves just absorbing that garbage over and over again. We find ourselves you know, reading those, those Facebook posts or wherever, whatever social media you're consuming on your phone. It affects you. We need to delight in the Lord and get rid of the wrong and stay committed. Stay committed to keep serving the Lord no matter what. And stay committed to sharing his word. Then when we do these things, you know what? We don't need to have stress and anxiety. What? Rest in the Lord. 
Wait patiently for him. I encourage you to do a study on the word patient. Because you know what? If you, find, you think the word patient means you're sitting at the light, ready to beep the horn because that car's been sitting there too long, you're not being patient. <laughs> patient is waiting with the right attitude. And when you look it up in the Noah Webster Dictionary, it brings across the idea of this too, knowing that God is in charge. Knowing that the, not only is God in charge, but there's a plan, there's a purpose for what he's doing. Amen? This morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there something that you've been fretting about or worrying about? Are you trusting the Lord and doing good? We need to make, are you staying committed this next year to reaching one for Christ? Pastor.